the chapters, how long we spend on them, will depend on how much soppiness you can handle. <laughs> Hell. Yeah, so if I feel you starting to fade out, I can just be like, and he said that ten more times, because that's true. Great. <laughs> Hello, this is Bread and Breakfast. I'm your host, <laughs> Neiman Martin. <laughs> go on, go on. This is fascinating content. I use they, them pronouns. Uh-huh. Uh, is that all you usually say? Do you then segue? Yeah, that's all I that's say. That's it? Yeah. Okay. I, I have a, a real strong job and my responsibilities are very hard, so... Um... <laughs> this is Stevie... She, they pronouns, uh, primary researcher. I'm speaking first this week. <laughs> good, good. Really thrown off the rhythm, actually. This is terrible. <laughs> um, so, unrelated to Minor Nemo's interest in Voltaire. Uh-huh. Uh, Sarah, our wife, <laughs> has gotten big into Voltaire and has been reading his whole Wikipedia article. <laughs> And she's been doing it in weekly Wednesday installments. Oh my god. This Wednesday she's got the final update, so I'll give you more updates after that. I really feel like I've been learning more about Voltaire from her telling me than like when we did that Voltaire episode. (laughs) The lost Voltaire episode. Yeah. And that was like the closest me and Nemo have come to getting Sarah to listen to the podcast was when I was like, (laughs) did we not do a whole Voltaire episode? And then it was lost to what was it like technical diff- basically technical. just yeah like my my hard drive basically fucked everything up so she's no longer interested but so some of my favorite comments she's had about voltaire so far mhm i was reading the voltaire wiki page to see what the fuss is all about and guy was off the chain for the time he was <laughs> may as well have just spat in the pope's face <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, Mozart called him the arch-scoundrel Voltaire. I'm fucking losing it. Scoundrel. And then Voltaire at one point was like, Come watch my play, Mr. Pope. It's about trashing the prophet Muhammad for being a barbarian. Come and see it. You'll love it. Oof. I also hate Catholicism. Peace out. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) So, learnt that Voltaire hates Christians. Uh-huh. Hates Judaism. He hates Christians because of his brother. I see. Okay. Because of brother. Adding that to the data. Um, hates Muslims. But then Buddhists and Hindus, he's like, oh, I love what you've got going. Huh. That is interesting. Yeah. What's that about? And her final comment, he would be a Reddit atheist if he was alive today. <laughs> <laughs> mm, yeah, that's... Well, hmm. Uh, debate me Sarah (laughs) Sarah can come on for a special episode I was saying I wish she would do the Voltaire episode but after next this Wednesday when she does her final reading then she'll be ready to school us yeah yeah uh, in Wikipedia, Voltaire. <laughs> yeah, because I think that Reddit atheist... It depends on what side of Reddit you're coming from, I guess. Because I, I do see the like Reddit atheist kind of thing. But, and it is like a family thing. And it's like because of what he learned in school and all that kind of stuff. And his like family stuff. But also he he did stand for justice. And I do think that he would be more aligned with someone like 
maybe Neil Gaiman with the like supporting trans stuff. That's what I mm-hmm. want to hope is that, or not just hope, because you know he's an old white man, so who knows? <laughs> but yeah, I, I do think that he actually did try and support civil things in his time but then he was also making loads of money and did believe in capitalism and monarchy so who knows maybe maybe yeah i'm not sure well she was saying that he was quite based (laughs) (laughs) but it was just like i hate you how you're running this catholicism Mm. but he was a christian yeah so that like uh wait i'm gonna be looking at her as i try and repeat what she taught me but minutes ago so voltaire was like i do believe in god god is in the leaves he saw a leaf and was like god's real but he doesn't believe in like hell so so i can't pronounce the word but i think it's deist deist Uh which is basically rather than believing in revelation and you know the um garden of eden and things like that he's like okay empirical reason um mm. is evidence of god's existence and he's all very rational about it mm-hmm. um so that was this whole thing he was like i'm not like you guys i'm, not like you guys. <laughs> I'm normal but a christian mm-hmm. so that was his thing okay thank you <laughs> yeah that i mean that's also hmm, some of those hugo chapters when he was talking about religion were very similar right where yeah you can tell that how what she was saying that at the bit that she's at on the wiki is when it's like here's the people who loved voltaire and learned so much from him and there was of course a whole big bet on victor hugo Uh uh i feel like it is very capital r romantic Mm. which hugo like was quite often when we had those chapters a thousand years ago Mm. uh in bishop muriel's where he's the bishop is like finding the divine in nature and Mm that kind of whole stuff. So I feel like we know that Hugo's as obsessed with Voltaire as he's made us. Yeah. Because he can't stop talking about him. So I'm not surprised that he has that sort of similar, I'm still a Christian, but we should be finding God in nature, blah, blah, blah. Mm. I am really glad that you went first. This is Nemo, my pronouns are they, them. I am glad you went first because I remembered what I was trying to read out to you and I didn't mark it. <laughs> so this is Nolly Met Tangera Watch Part 2. Mm-hmm. And um, I was pleasantly reading along when uh, Jose Rizal says, the government workers thinking that his excellency had told a joke burst out laughing. The friars made fun of them, but then they did not know that Voltaire was a Voltaire they had cursed <laughs> so often and condemned to hell. <laughs> Um, and... <laughs> so someone like made a Voltaire reference and they all laughed at it not realizing they shouldn't have laughed because they all talk about how much they hate him yes yeah okay yeah they were all like oh yeah like that sounds like a clever man mm. <laughs> um and yeah it's like showing how all of these like quote-unquote educated people will like talk about things that they really don't have any idea about and you know religion was coming up there again as well which made me laugh because you were talking about voltaire and religion as well so yeah oh it would have been great if this was a a couple chapters where voltaire actually came up (laughs) (laughs) it's one of those rare moments but 
religion and nature comes up plenty. So segue. Yay. We're back in the plot, kind of. Okay, so we're in book eight, Enchantment and Despair. (laughs) So this one's going to be a whole one for Nemo. Oh, good. It must be clear to the reader (laughs) Mm -hmm. that Eponine, having recognised through the railing the girl who was living at the address on Rue Plumet, where Menon had sent her, when there'd been that biscuit with the, like, I think was the information, it was like, there's someone rich at this empty house. Mm. The man is always away. Should we break into it? Some chapters back. And they sent Eponine to go on a scouting mission. So Eponine had first warded off the villains from the Rue Plumet and then taken Marius there. So I guess she'd actually, uh, best girl, mm-hmm. had discouraged any plan between, like, Brujan and all the lads. Mm. She'd led Marius there, and he'd spent several days in ecstasy in front of that railing. God. Before he finally entered Cosette's garden as Romeo entered Juliet's garden. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know that... Maybe I'm putting horny implications on that. <laughs> <laughs> on their lady gardens. But I was like... Oh, hmm. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I didn't immediately make that connection. But yes, I, I can see where you're coming from. <laughs> I think, because these chapters, Hugo's like, they are so chaste. Let me tell you how chaste they are. But also, they're really horny, (laughs) these Uh chapters. Mm -hmm. So, like, there's a lot of energy coming your way. Um, On this aromantic (laughs) reek? (laughs) Is it? Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as long as I wrap this up with it. So how did that make you an aromantic feel? (laughs) (laughs) It was easier for Marius than it was for Romeo. Romeo had to scale a wall. Marius just had to slightly force one rickety railing out of its socket that wobbled in the way old people's teeth do. Uh-huh. There's like a few jarring moments of these chapters where he's really going off on the like voluptuous, rapturous, like how scented nature is. And then I'll just like drop in something like that, like old people's teeth and there's like some coming further in where you're just like oh god like it's so jarring compared to how I don't know like fancy and rapturous he is (laughs) (laughs) I don't know like every time I was like Mm. Marius was slim so he could slip through the railings really easy Uh and the street's always deserted and he only comes out at night so there's no danger of him being seen and he comes every evening (laughs) <laughs> oh, Mar- uh, Marius? Hugo, sorry, I guess they're <laughs> in many ways, as we've said, uh, similar. If at this point in her life, Cosette had fallen in love with a dissolute and not very scrupulous man, it would have been her ruin. Mm. For there are generous natures that surrender themselves, and Cosette was one of them. <laughs> I'm like, oh, are you God. calling your character a whore? Christ, Hugo. These one of the generosities of women is to yield. <laughs> yeah, we are in the downward spiral of feminism. <laughs> yeah. Love so great that it is, is absolute involves some sort of divine blindness to propriety. So he is saying that like if he'd been any other man and been like DTF, like she would have been game. Oh, which gosh. like 
we yeah. love for her if that's what yeah. she wants, but in the context of her time, yeah. Um, I guess because like <laughs> we had Fontaine, and she was one of Hugo's like gals. Mm. So it's not him like looking down on her for it, but all it felt a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It is that in that complicated thing of like, but there would have been it. There would have been so much more consequences for Cosette. Like the same consequences as Fontaine goes mm. through, but for her, yeah, I guess. Hmm. Hmm. Because like she, Cosette's his good little girl. Yeah. Uh, but he does. We're about to get like three chapters of how good and chaste they are. So you're like, would that have changed? Yeah. <laughs> if she'd. <laughs> Yielded yeah. generously. Yeah. <laughs> Often you give your heart, we take your body. Okay. <laughs> There's no halfway in- with love. It either means ruin or salvation. And this is the dilemma of all human existence. Yeah, every single person. <laughs> yep, I'm sure you can relate so hard. Yeah, I'm relating really hard to these characters right now. <laughs> Where I'm like, so just don't. <laughs> Love means life unless it means death. Guess I'll die. Of all things God has made, the human heart is one that sheds the most light and alas, the most darkness. But luckily for us, God willed that the love Cosette encountered was a love that saves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're in May of 1832. Mm-hmm. And that garden that they're hanging out in the shrubbery that grew every day denser and more fragrant, <laughs> where to be found two creatures embodying every type of purity and innocence. So they're very pure, so don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, brimming over with all the joys of heaven, closer to archangels and to human beings, chaste, honest, elated, radiant, and resplendent to each other in the shadows. <laughs> this is really that thing where you're like, uh, you know that... Victor Hugo was so horny that he kept being like, and they're so chaste about it. And everyone's like, uh, yeah, obviously. And he's like, no, you don't understand. They're really chaste about it. And he's like, yeah, we get it. Like they're chaste. And he's like, no, no, you don't. You might misinterpret this relationship between them as being absolutely fucking like messy and like they're just fucking all the time, but they're really chaste. And everyone's like, yeah, are you... Implying the opposite, like what's... yeah, like I don't know that I would say he's like fetishizing how chaste they are, but he mm. can't shut up about it. Yeah, but I guess he is like you would assume that they're not. I guess, but you know when it's like you go, okay, we got it. Yeah, and it's just the constantly being juxtaposed with like how fragrant <laughs> and. <laughs> dense and I don't know some of the ways he describes the plants like we, we've had him describe this garden before where you're like yeah. weird horny garden yeah the Hugo doth protest too much me yeah. thinks yeah but they're, they're so chaste mm. gazing at each other holding hands clinging to each other but there was a distance that they preserved not that they respected it they just weren't aware of it they were saving room for Jesus they really were um Marius sensed a barrier, Cosette's purity, and Cosette sensed to stay Marius's integrity. Ah. Yeah, that first kiss that we had before, 
yeah. a few chapters of it. That's the last one they've had. Uh-huh. Oh my god. <laughs> There's just like so there is some stuff in here where is is it that the opposite of a uh, aromantic is aloe? Yeah. Uh, uh yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. As someone who's the opposite of aromantic. <laughs> so representing that on the podcast there was things that i was like okay this is quite relatable mm. but then there's also some just like oh, choice <laughs> choices because <laughs> that was to him a perfume not a woman uh, okay <laughs> which goes so good with the like she, she perfume <laughs> earth that we'd already been imagining for them i can't believe that we literally had our finger on the pulse yeah you you really called it out when you saw it <laughs> And that here it is. She's just a perfume. Yeah. She was the air he breathed. She refused nothing. Well. And so he asked for nothing. Okay. So there's nothing for her to refuse. So it's kind of like he's so chaste. Yeah. Well, he 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 understands he, he understands the he's not like other boys. <laughs> he's he's not like oh, is it Ptolemy's? Yeah. Yeah. Because he could very easily have been Ptolemy's, yeah. and if he had asked, if he had been, he would have asked, and she would have given, and then baby Marius Junior would be born. Yeah, you're right. Okay, I have to like re-remember the context of the book because I know <laughs> him being so good and chaste is meant to be like, yeah, this good boy, but I'm just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> All this to say, Certa dear, Cosette was happy. Marius was satisfied. They're living in this like constant state of bliss. Mm. Um, it was that ineffable, that ineffable first embrace between two virginities in the realm of the ideal. Okay. This one's meeting. Good omens, are you? Yeah. I only I only hear good mm-hmm. omens when I see the word hear the word ineffable. Yeah. Good omens invented the word ineffable. It it really did. So at that stage of love. <laughs> when sensuality is totally silenced by the all-powerfulness of ecstasy, okay. Marius, pure and seraphic, <laughs> which I, you know I did the exact same thing where I'm like, what? And then I'm like, oh, it's <laughs> seraphic, not sephic. Um, oh, God. Like, mm. this is why you're like, okay, we're so chaste and we're being so normal about it. Are we being so normal about it? Marius would have been more capable of visiting a common prostitute than of lifting Cosette's dress ankle high. Uh, yeah, we're, we're like, so normal. <laughs> it goes from like, we're young and we've chosen to be chased because all we need to do is like gaze upon each other to like, oh, we're going to be a bit creepy about it. Yeah, she's not like other girls and sex workers are not humans. So... so... Once in the moonlight, Cosette stooped to pick something up from the ground, and her bodice gaped slightly, <laughs> revealing a glimpse of the rise of her bosom, but Marius averted his eyes. Oh my god. What took place between these two individuals? Nothing. They adored each other. Like, some things are cute, and then other things, like the he would have rather just, like, get with a sex worker than even look at her, you're like, Okay. <laughs> This what? is, yeah, Hugo being like, and I am a normal man who has normal experiences <laughs> of the world. Yeah, it's, it's like that one time where 
Jean Valjean wasn't Jean Valjean. He was Victor Hugo when he was like, oh, that woman's not a virgin. Lol, what? We were like, if this wasn't written by you, Victor Hugo, that wouldn't have happened. This would be normal. And like, these chapters would just be the like, this is how in love with each other they are. And it's so cute and young. And that's why it's so chaste, whatever. Here's what they like to talk to each other about. We don't need the little sprinkles of being reminded that some fucking old man is being a creep. Yeah. It is actually really interesting to compare it to Noli Mittangere, which I'm only doing because it's the book that I'm currently reading. But it is really interesting, like, his relationship, because the the main characters are kind of... It's kind of like Marius and Cosette, but if Marius was also Jean Valjean... (laughs) Um, because he's like you know the coming into his richness and is like the morally good person who is trying to save the world but he also has the like um my father was killed and like run out of town kind of thing Mm -hmm. and the relationship between Ibarra who's the main guy and Maria Clara who is the cosette is really interesting because you can read like it is very like childhood friends who have become engaged who actually really like each other Mm. and you can tell that they really like each other and that they used to be friends and that that like young love is now becoming young love and it is like a very again it's not very feminist but I do think it has in it the kind of like they kind of joke with each other and they have in jokes and like they talk about things really normally and then sometimes they realize that they're like a bit too close and all that kind of stuff and it's like Mm. oh this is like genuine young romance and it's not written by a freaky weird (laughs) sexy horny old man who's just like they were so fucking pure (laughs) (laughs) yeah because the funny thing like you saying all that Mm. he goes about to be like here are some examples of them just like being in love and here's some of the chats they have. Mm. And that it is like, because there are bits in here where I was like, you know what, that is relatable content, Hugo. But mm. then he'll do the, he'll just sprinkle his whole <laughs> self into it. His seed. Yeah, is how that feels. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's like, okay, so leading into their version of like, they have in jokes, looks, they completely have a relationship. <laughs> mm. That he's like, they're always like whispering to each other and like talking. But what are these things they're saying? It's just whispers, nothing more. And that he's basically like, I'm not <laughs> actually. <laughs> actually, what's funny is that f- what I, I was underlining all these things. Cause I was like, you know what? I kind of like this. And he's like, I'm not going to say more than that because it would be so meaningless to put these words onto page. Because mm. they're the kind of things that you whisper when you're like in love and you'll be saying things to each other that like aren't even funny, but you're both finding it funny and like <laughs> just like giggling and having a good time. Mm. And um, these whispers were enough to stir and thrill all like everything and mm-hmm. magic power and one hard to understand if you were to read in a book those sweet nothings <laughs> meant to be carried away like smoke and dispersed on the breeze beneath the leaves uh-huh. is that all you say well yes <laughs> that is all <laughs> um and you know because it's you two saying these things to each other it means so much but like mm. blah 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 and then he's like so anyway i am gonna put them to bed <laughs> Because 
Because you're like, I do like, because I, I love a like friends to lovers AU yeah. <laughs> more than the next man, in fact. Yeah. Um, so I love when people do write the little moments where you're like, oh, there is like a friendship here. This is like, you know, the solid foundation. So I do love reading that stuff. Mm. But there was almost something so profound about him being like, if I put them to page, that'll ruin it. Whatever yeah. you are imagining, that's what, like, they're just things that would be so meaningless to somebody else. But like here, I'm trying to describe and capture the feeling. Yeah, yeah. And so then for him to be like, <laughs> anyway, I'm just like, oh my God. Yeah, it's very Victor Hugo to like <laughs> say something, you're like, oh yeah, that actually is very meaningful and I can totally understand. And then like, as soon as you're saying like halfway through saying understand he's like whack anyway <laughs> i'm victor you go and i know what's best for you yeah so like in one instance Kazat's like oh did you know my name is actually is it y- euphrase 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 and he's like, you phrase, but your name is Cosette. And she's like, oh, Cosette's a rather ugly name that was given to me when I was little. But my real name is Euphrase. Don't you like that name? And he's like, yeah, but Cosette isn't ugly. And he's like, well, do you like it better than Euphrase? And he's like, yes. I'm like, well, then I like it better too. It is it, pretty, Cosette. Call me Cosette. Be like, mm-hmm. that's sweet. And the smile she added transformed this conversation into an ideal worthy of some celestial grove. On another instance, uh, Marius is coughing, so she gives She's him got a- COVID. <laughs> they have not actually. They, I can't confirm or deny if they've been social distancing because they're not kissing, but they are like holding hands and tangled up in each other at all times. I mean, they, it said that they had space between each other from some unknown force, and it was me traveling <laughs> back in time and in fiction to say. Social distance for COVID-19. <laughs> well, so she's like, don't cough near me, sir. <laughs> but um, she's like, I won't have anyone coughing here without my permission. It's very naughty to cough and worry me. I want you to be well, because in the first place, if you weren't well, I'd be very unhappy. And this was quite simply divine to him. And then he's like, one day in the Luxembourg Gardens, I felt like, finishing off this disabled veteran. Okay. <laughs> but then he stops short because he's like, oh, if I tell her that story, I'll have to mention that I saw her garter. And that was impossible. <laughs> so he finishes the story like, anyway, I felt like murdering this old yeah, dude. Was. Like, Marius, I think it's worse, actually. <laughs> Make up literally anything else. <laughs> yeah. And you know that his his face was visibly going through the, like... <laughs> Laughing about to tell her this amusing anecdote to like, oh shit. Yeah. I think of all the little, like he does give us more of the little nice things they whisper to each other. But I think they would have been more profound, maybe not, (laughs) if he just left it at the, if I put this to words, it's not going to be the same. Yeah. Because it's not the same. Full stop. That. There. No, no, Nemo. They're sitting close to each other on this bench. Oh, no. (laughs) COVID. She's got it now. Caressing her thumbnail. Oh. What? (laughs) He's caressing her thumbnail? Yeah. Okay. I was literally just touching my thumbnail as you said it, but I was like, oh, I don't like this. (laughs) That's me caressing your thumbnail. (laughs) 
through the wires. Uh, taking turns to smell the scent of the same flower. These are things that like they just wish they could just do forever. But meanwhile, the clouds are passing above their heads. Hmm. Every time the wind blows, it carries away more human dreams than clouds in the sky. Mm. I do kind of like when he I like when he's in that kind of mood, Hugo. Yeah. He's saying just, poetic bullshit. Just stayed there. <laughs> Nor was this chaste, almost shy love, totally without courtship. To co- to pay compliments to the woman you love is the first stage in caressing her. <laughs> a tentative, half daring. A compliment is something like a kiss through a veil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've actually not underlined all of this, but it's making you suffer. So there is, <laughs> albeit concealed, a sweet element of sensual delight to it. Oh my god! He's a sensual delight in two. Like he finished that sentence, and then he just is like, you know what? That's so good. I'm using it again. <laughs> the heart shrinks from sensual delight, uh-huh. <laughs> only to love the more. Mm-hmm. Um, oh god it is what is said in the arbor a prelude to what will be said in the bedchamber a lyrical effusion sol- sonnet intermingled the pretty exaggerations of wooing all the little subtleties of adoration arranged in a bouquet and exuding a heavenly delicate subtle fragrance and ineffable oh. <laughs> not to heart billing and cooing so then we get the like things that Marius says to her, like, how beautiful you are, I didn't look at you, which is why in contemplating you, you're a gift from God. There's astonishing wisdom in what you say. Um, say something, I'm listening. I'm lost in wonder. Oh, Cosette, you're wonderful. I study your feet with a microscope. Oh, fuck. No, foot fetish is here. Oh. The foot. The tiny foot collects him. We should have really been keeping a tally on that one. Yeah, and it's a combination as well with microscope that it's like (laughs) really adding to it. Wow. We've all been leading up to this. It's a whole lot. At least in the musical, there's only one song. Well, two, I guess. But there's only one bit where they're like, oh, we're falling in love and then they're immediately separated so you don't have to deal with all of this bullshit. <laughs> Christ. How are you going to be invested in the chaste love? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you were saying the um the bit that was, it was near the beginning and it was compliments of the first caress or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, I, I was sent a meme by our friend Kath this morning which was uh well it wasn't a meme but it was a a screenshot of someone's ask on tumblr which was isn't wanting to be friends with other people like cheating if you're aromantic (laughs) (laughs) i was like um giving giving uh friends compliments is cheating i guess (laughs) you're the whore (laughs) (laughs) you're just trying to sit chastely in our bedchambers (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> isn't that what i'm doing right now i'm sitting in your your bed chamber with you and your wife that's <laughs> true oh victor hugo was right you learned it in me <laughs> you learned everything he knew <laughs> there's a reason why i read this book four times <laughs> oh we do get a lot of how all this lovey-dovey stuff there's a lot of whiteness 
Mm. So I imagined, well, I was like, I went through the, the thought journey. It's like, oh, this has been like great for Nemo. And mm. then been like, I can't imagine Nemo would have spent a long time in these chapters. <laughs> so I wonder if it was great for Nemo. You know, you're actually right. I don't remember these chapters at all. Oh, and like, funny. Wow, yeah, you know why? weird, uh, actually, that my brain was like, anyway, I'm never revisiting these guys <laughs> in their private chased palace again. Because yeah. <laughs> that was all simplicity ingenuousness, transparency, whiteness, candor, radiance. Mm. Uh, you might have said she was brightness. And we get another thing of like how white their love is coming up as well. Yeah. Um, too late for your PhD, though, I guess. Yeah. She gave everyone who saw her a sense of April and of daybreak. She was the dawn light condensed into the form of a woman. I thought that was nice. Yeah. It's one of those things, again, where you're like, it would be acceptable poetry but not in my novel (laughs) bring back the essay (laughs) the truth is this little schoolgirl, fresh from the convent Mm. spoke with remarkable insight yeah you weren't sure where that was going and neither was i (laughs) um and at times said all kinds of true and discerning things she was never wrong about anything okay and her views were sound who did he who else did he say that about recently uh, oh no! It was Marius when Marius is in love. Mm, oh yes, was, like, yeah. He he's only correct. Yeah, yeah. And then as he go, uh, no one knows better than a woman how to say things that are both sweet and profound. Uh, okay. Sweetness and profoundity—that is the essence of a woman. Hey Stevie, make Sarah say something sweet and profound right now. She's drawing. I don't want to disturb her. <laughs> Oh, they're just like so full of rapture that they're just weeping all the time as well. The supreme symptom of love is a tenderness, at times almost unbearable. (sighs) They were quick to laugh and so comfortable with each other. They sometimes seemed almost like two boys. Okay, wow, now we're getting somewhere. Yeah, where's your gender chapter on that? Yeah. (laughs) But also... Like, Victor Hugo being like, wow, they were so comfortable together. <laughs> Only two men could yeah. ever. Which is a totally heteronormative thing to think. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is. It's pretty period typical, actually, but... Fellas, is it straight to only want to be around other men? <laughs> is it gay if I have such a good time with the girl I'm into? <laughs> <laughs> that I wish that she was a man? Interesting, but yeah, it's just like, what? Okay, we don't even, how could we even unpack that statement, Hugo? But, oh yeah, even though it's like, they seem almost like two boys, but there is something about two people who are in love that you can just tell, like there's something in the nature of that that distinguishes a couple from two close friends. Uh Uh-huh. I was like, Okay, maybe. Mm. We've made it to the next chapter. Great. They lived in a daze, bewildered with happiness. Oh no, <laughs> it's continuing. They did not notice the cholera taking its toll on Paris. <laughs> <laughs> he had cholera. He is, is, is coughing a symptom of cholera? No, I think cholera is the one where you like shit yourself to death. Oh yeah. 
Profuse diarrhea, vomiting, thirst, leg cramps, restlessness or irritability. Oh, God, I think I have got... <laughs> um, He's just got anime disease. Yeah. <laughs> so they're, like, confiding everything in each other, but also, like, nothing. Mm. So Maris had told Cosette he was an orphan... That he was a lawyer, and I was like, "Is he? Are you a lawyer? You quit, Marius. Yeah. You quit." Uh, that he makes his his money writing things for booksellers. His father had been a colonel and a hero. That Marius had fallen out with his grandfather, who was wealthy, and that also he's a baron, and that made no impression on Cosette because she was like, "What the fuck is a baron?" <laughs> Good. Marius is just Marius. Yeah. And she told him that she had been brought up in petty peoples. Yeah, people. <laughs> that her mother was dead. Her father was called Monsieur Fauchelevent. Mm. And he's a very good man. He's very generous to the poor, but was himself poor. And that he denied himself everything while denying her nothing. Mm. But, like, so the state that they're kind of in, nothing, like, the past and even the recent present doesn't even fucking matter anymore. They just feel so distant when they're together. When he's when Marius is Cosette, like that's all we can think about. So mm. it doesn't even occur to him to mention to her what had happened that night at the Gorbo place. The Tenardiers, <laughs> that ban. Oh my god, that was that would be the first thing out of my mouth. <laughs> that's why you aren't like the other boys. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Hey, you know that hot old guy that lives with you? <laughs> he got pretty radically burned. Is he okay? Marius had for the time forgotten all of that. Yeah, alright. Well, he's not like other boys. Well, he is like other boys. He doesn't oh. care about my special pretty yeah. boy. But actually, I think maybe it is that Marius Marius isn't like other boys. Yeah. Because we're going to get some Kufarek, and Kufarek's like, the fuck is up with you? <laughs> Can't relate. <laughs> so... Marius isn't like the other boys. Well, Kufrak is also very queer, so... But he can still feel love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, queer people can't be in love. What are you talking about? <laughs> Only heterosexuals feel love. <laughs> Chaste, pure, innocent. Chaste. Uh, yeah, he's just like... He can't can't even remember what he did this morning, let alone what happened that time, even though it seemed pretty traumatic to see, but here we go. He was in heaven, so it's quite natural that he should forget about Earth. And that Hugo's like, oh my god, like that's just like the best feeling. Is <laughs> this feeling of love, not specifically forgetting about <laughs> seeing an old man singe himself. Um <laughs> He's like, why does there come a time when you emerge from this heavenly bliss, and why does life go on afterwards? Loving almost replaces thinking. Love is ardent forgetfulness of everything else. Expecting passion to be logical is pointless. The universe has fallen away from Cosette and Marius. They lived in a golden moment. So what do they talk about? As we have seen, flowers, swallows, the setting sun, the rising moon, all the important things. Mm. He... And Marius is like, how am I to know that that one traumatic night was even real? It could have just been a nightmare. Yeah, if you if you have a nightmare that's that like grim and brutal about 
your loved one's loved one. I feel like there should be some self-reflection going on. <laughs> I do have a lot of really... Like, we watched the Jujutsu Kaisen movie, and then I had the most violent body horror dream. At, like, the next night, they were like, okay, that was like... Re- my brain was reflecting on that film. Mm, so... Mm. What have you read, Marius? What do you think you've read, Marius? That's... Well, he watched the Jujutsu Kaisen yeah. film. <laughs> and that's what made that uh, Gobo tournament thing happen. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Checks out. Yeah. Um, yeah, because nothing else exists for them in this moment. A rose tint overlies everything. Mm. So I was wondering if what in, what it says in the French for that, because mm. we've got the saying now, the like, you know, seeing the world, glasses. yeah, rose tinted glasses, and I was like, oh, how old is this saying? Yeah, un neue rose est la dessus. How uh, old's that saying? Yeah, what were they rose tinting with? Is it meant to be like the rosy fingers of dawn or whatever it was when in the Greek classics? In rosy Homer, retrospection, the tendency to view past events in positive, often unrealistic light. Phrase appears as early as eighteen thirty, according to the Oxford English Dictionary. Ah, so on track for Hugo. Yeah, it better not be that he started it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm trying to get to. Kind of hope that he did, though. I'm also gonna very quickly tra- Google translate French this um, rose tinted here because it. I don't think it's glasses. Yeah, because it's not. Yeah. Glasses in this one either is just a rose tint overlays everything. A pink cloud is on it in the French translation into the English. A pink cloud. That's nice. Yeah. I've got here <laughs> says the first Google result from All About Vision. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm sure a reputable source. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the story goes map makers used rose petals to polish their glasses before settling in for their detailed work. Presumably, after many polishes, the colour of the rose petals left a pink residue on the lenses to tempt the map maker's vision. Hmm. Okay. But yeah, that's from sure a website that's that. like trying to sell you tinted glasses. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, that's definitely. Um, the origin of the idiom rose coloured glasses is still a mystery to this day, although there are a few interesting and plausible theories. Yeah. Set a deer. Don't Set know. A deer. Yeah. <laughs> but I found it interesting to see it there. Mm. And there was a quote from some French book in 1840 being like, oh, here's a really early version of it. So it might not have been. And the one that you found as well, was it saying that it was being used in France in 1830? Uh, it's been around since 1830 mm-hmm. as a phrase. So who knows who started it? Yeah. <laughs> someone out there, surely. Yeah. Please, someone <laughs> tell us. I can't enjoy the rest of Les Mis without knowing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so basically they're just like beguiled by each other, living in a waking sleep. Mm. They don't wonder about like, where's this relationship going to go? They feel like they've already arrived. Okay. <laughs> and then next chapter, Jean Valjean was completely unsuspecting. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, this 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 guy, this guy, this guy. It's so because Cosette is a little less dreamy than Marius. She's quite cheerful, and that's enough to make Valjean happy. Yeah. So even though there's like the image of Marius filling her heart, that didn't detract from the 
matchless purity of her chaste and smiling lovely face. (laughs) At her age, the virgin carries her love as the angel carries its lily. He's so weird. (laughs) He's so strange. Valjean was therefore untroubled, and when two lovers understand each other, it always works out well for them. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty... That's right, right? That's that's the book that he... That's the story that he told, so... (laughs) (laughs) I guess it is true here. And any third party who might disturb their love is kept in total darkness by means of a few precautionary measures. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I was just... I was reading it just thinking of you being Valjean on uh, <laughs> Australia Honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> Completely unsuspecting that me and my wife were in love. <laughs> but also, like, actually, this is even more that um, Valjean wants to go for a walk. Yes, of course. <laughs> he wants to stay at home. Of course. Wants to spend the evening with Cosette. She's delighted. Oh my god. I was like, oh, you and Sarah did go to the beach just without me. And like, we did just like hang out. <laughs> I'm your dad now. Yeah, that was already a fact. That is true. And anyway, Valjean goes to bed at 10 o'clock. <laughs> and Marius doesn't come into the garden until after Valjean's gone to bed when mm. Cosette opens her French windows and that's like his signal. Mm. It goes without saying Marius was never to be encountered by day. Uh-huh. Valjean He's didn't a even... vampire. <laughs> well, just, I imagine it that like, if Valjean did see even like a <laughs> particle of Marius, yeah. <laughs> he'd be like laser-eyeing him. Yeah. But Valjean didn't even remember that Marius existed. Yeah, get him. There was one occasion where he was like, Oh, Cosette, why is your back covered with white? Overcome with feeling the night before, Marius had pressed Cosette against the wall (gasps) in such a chaste and pure way. (laughs) Yeah, the real, the chastest (laughs) cupboardons in the world. Yeah. Uh, And Toussaint goes to bed early as well, and she only thinks of sleeping. So she's also unaware. Marius never steps foot in the house. They're just like so wrapped in each other that a thunderbolt could strike 30 paces from them. They wouldn't even notice. They're so immersed in each other. Hours of sheer whiteness, almost completely identical. This kind of love is a collection of lily petals and dove feathers. So God, they would be so easy to kill right now. <laughs> he Marius usually leaves at midnight. And he goes back to Kufarek's place because that's where he's still <laughs> he's still banking. So Kufarek said to Baharel, like, would you believe it? Marius is now coming home at one o'clock in the morning. Okay. And Baharel's like, what did you expect? Inside every sem- seminarian, there's a firecracker. <laughs> <laughs> I love the girlies gossiping. Yeah. Sometimes Kufret would fold his arms and adopt a serious look and say to Marius, You're getting to bad habits, my boy. <laughs> Mommy. A practical man, Kufret did not take kindly to this reflection in Marius of an invisible paradise. Mm. He was little given to any out of the ordinary passion, so just like regular passions. <laughs> Marius is just a being unto himself. 
Uh, and this exasperates Kufrek. And there's the times where he would basically be Tamaris be like, can you just be normal? It is really funny because like Hugo is being like, anyway, this really normal guy is being like, hey Maris, what the fuck? You need to be normal. But it's literally Hugo who's being the most weird about it. <laughs> yeah. We how many times have we had chased in pure start a sentence? <laughs> Like, what Marius and Cosette are doing is, is totally fine. It's just the framing around it that's yeah. weird. It's just Hugo being creepy. Mm. Uh, one morning, Kufrek had been like, Dear fellow, you give me the impression right now of being on the moon in the realm of dreams. Now be a good chap. What's her name? But nothing can make Marius talk. Mm. He would sooner have his fingernails torn out okay. than... Let either of the two sacred syllables of her ineffable <laughs> name be prized out of him. Ineffable watch. <laughs> this has been three times so far. Yeah. We're still in May. This is still the same dreamy May. Ma- Marius and Cosette experience immense pleasures. That of arguing and addressing each other as vu solely for the greater pre- pleasure of using two again afterwards. So they're just like... Doing silly little fights just to, like, have fun with it, I guess. Yeah. Marius likes to listen to Gazette talk about clothes. Gazette likes to listen to Marius talk about politics. Okay. Um, the two genders. <laughs> literally. That, I feel like, how did he put it? Because they're talking at great length in the most minute detail about things that they'd have not the slightest interest in. <laughs> So yeah. I do like I do love that they are like oh tell me about your thing <laughs> your gender is girl it's clothes your yeah. gender is boy it's politics yeah and they're just like gazing at the same planet as each other and it's like I've I have read out a lot of stuffiness but this is incredibly cherry picked mm. there's so much more that you haven't got in Nemo <laughs> if you can believe it. <laughs> God, the unrelenting horrors. <laughs> but luckily for Nemo, various complications were looming. <laughs> so one evening, Marius is making his way down a street and he heard someone be like, oh, good good evening, Monsieur Marius. And he looked up and he recognises Eponine. Mm. So he'd not thought that girl since the day she'd taken him to the Rue Plumet. Kill him. And he'd not seen her since. So because of that, she's just been out of his mind. And he had cause for gratitude towards her, and he owed her his present happiness, and yet it was galling to meet her. So Die, 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 die. <laughs> like, at least Hugo is like, I know that my boy's about to be a little bitch. Yeah. So it's a mistake to think that when pure and happy, passion leads to a man to a state of perfection. <laughs> We've noted already it simply leads him to a state of oblivion. Yeah. So a man in this condition forgets to be bad, but he also forgets to be good. So... Things like mm. gratitude and duty and unwelcome memories are all forgotten. He's like, at any other time, I promise Marius would have behaved really differently towards Eponine. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I promise sure, he like would. all the times before that he wasn't in love with Cosette, he treated yeah. her really well. So Yeah, literally, because you're like, um, when? Because we've only ever had him like stare at her like she's a freak. Yeah. Where he's like, oh, what are you, uh, what are you doing here? Uh, bleh. 
Yeah. Because like, no, 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 he would have, he would have behaved differently, but because uh-huh, that's in the brain. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, of course. Uh huh. So we present Marius as he was. Uh huh. Because we're just the historian writing down the yeah, facts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and he's in so much love that even you know everything he was feeling about his father is like fading from his heart a little bit right now. So, in confusion, he's like, "Oh, is that you, Eponine?" Mm. And she's like, oh, why do you address me with Vu? Have I offended you? And he's like, mm. no. Certainly had nothing against her. Only now that he said two to Cosette, he didn't feel like he wanted to use that for other people. Yeah. Like, okay, fine. But he just stands there silently, <laughs> staring at her. Mm-hmm. So she's like, oh, tell me now. And then stops. And it seemed this creature who had been so jaunty and so bold in the past was at a loss for words. She tries to smile, but she can't. She's like, well. And then she's just like silent and looking down. And he still just like stares, <laughs> silent. <laughs> so she's like, good evening, Mr. Marius. And just briskly leaves. <laughs> At least she knows what's good for her. <laughs> mm. Yeah, but you're like, he doesn't, like, he doesn't have to address her how she wants to be addressed mm. and all that. But he has only historically really been a bit of a bitch to her, even yeah. when she's like gone out of her way. And like, not that that means that people owe you something, but like, he mm. could just like be nice about it. Yeah. Well, that's where we leave him. On that really nice note. And then Eponine never wasted any of her time ever again. Ne- yeah, she never Marius. thought about him and she went and lived a long and happy life. Um, the end. Yep. <laughs> That's so. how it's, that's what it said. That's how it goes. Yeah, yeah. Wow, I'm really glad that you got to the the really great happy Eponine ending. And um, <laughs> yeah, if if there was a Eponine version of the Hades game, <laughs> it would be the and then she gets out. Yeah, don't yeah. send her back through <sighs> the the Groundhog Day fic where yeah. she's got to realize that at this point is like. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because she has to go through some of the trials in each thing. But yeah, at this point, it's like, ah, he is just staring at me. He will never love me. I should walk away. Mm. And then does. And then Marius can die at the barricades. <laughs> Except when you're in love, things can only go well or whatever. Whatever yes. what Hugo said. Well, I mean, I hope so for me, but... <laughs> I don't know whether... Would Valjean ever have been told that Marius was at the barricades and then gone to... Would Marius ever have gone to the barricades because what we're about to see happen... Okay, if Eponine walked away now, Marius probably never would have gone to the barricades. So he and Cosette would have lived happily ever after. But would Valjean have died? Because obviously that's the end game. Would Valjean have died? Of sadness, and I think he would have, and he wouldn't have had the final moments with Cosette because Eponine is about to protect this location, mm. right? That hasn't already happened, right? This is coming. Uh, well, it did say that she'd she'd kept it back from the rowdy the boys. Patron Minette. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Valjean won't get spooked and then tell Cosette 
I don't know whether to say this now because I'm like, you're actually in the story. And so <laughs> I feel like I'm giving outright spoilers. Whereas before when I was like, anyway, here's my theory. You just listened and we're like, okay, okay. And then it didn't, like, it didn't mean anything to you. And now I feel bad for like saying things. We're in the, the final run of, it's only... <laughs> 400 more words, pages. Yeah, yeah, 400 more words. Yeah, because it, the book ends now. So yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, I I think that I think that it would have been a worse ending for Valjean if Eponine had walked now. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's definitely we're gonna forget. Oh, 100 <laughs> percent. To to check back on that thesis. Yeah, yeah. I guess it would be. That Valjean is Hades, not Hades, he's um, Zagreus, mm. and he keeps, well, I guess actually it, it is actually more of a Groundhog Day fic than it is a run of Hades, but I'm imagining that it's like literally every other character has a turn of being like, just stop here, or just change this one thing, <laughs> but he's every time he's like, I have to sad myself to death, guys. Yeah, it just I just have to do it, so. <laughs> no, like, okay. Let's just go back to the original version. We can't change shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'd be nice if some more people would survive. Yeah. Well, we'll try and watch this space. I, I'm actually excited now for you get to get to story bits that you don't know. Because like, every time that you say something, you're like, oh, and this happens. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> they're in it now. They care. Yeah. Yeah, we're truly at like getting into bits that are in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It only took this long. <laughs> We've aged so much. I don't know if we look as good as uh, Valjean looked at 70 when he looks only 40. Who would, Stevie? Yeah, that's true. We're not that man. That poor, unsuspecting fool. Ignorance is bliss. For now. For now. We'll end on that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, this has been Bread and Barricades, an ignorance is bliss podcast. With only one mention of Valjean this week, but plenty of talk about Voltaire. So, if you know anything about rose-tinted glasses, feel free to send us a message, please. Either on our email lamespodcast l e s m i s podcast at gmail dot com, or on our Twitter lamespodcast, or on our Tumblr at Bread and Barricades. Our sound designer is Jade, who you can find on her website, jdwasavi.com, or on her bandcamp, jdwasavi.bandcamp.com. If you like this show, then you can give us five stars, or you can donate to our Patreon or Ko-fi, which are in the show notes. And thank you for listening. Thank you. The next uh, chapter is called A Cab Drives in English and Barks in Slang. So I like to imagine mm. that Hugo like suddenly sat up and like spilled his drink and was like, fuck, I never finished my thoughts on slang. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, but I'm not gonna go back. I will just continue on. Like everything is written linearly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like to imagine at no point is he like, I'm gonna edit that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is precisely how it happens. Yeah. So look forward to more slang, I guess. We never really left. <laughs> Woo!